Thank you, Holy Spirit. So this is the good news. The good news is that God, through Christ Jesus, has activated a New Testament. And this New Testament is released through the preaching of the gospel. The New Testament is, is enforced through the preaching of the gospel. Through the gospel, men enjoy all the benefits of the New Testament. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So I told you, be saved is not enough. Being saved is like being admitted into the university. First Timothy chapter 2, the verse 4 and 5. I want you to see this yourself. First Timothy 2, 4 and 5. Come to the verse 3 so it makes much clearer sense. Now look at that. He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. The verse 4. Now look at this. Who will have all men to be saved? One. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Two. Who will have? That means God has two wills. The first will is that men will be saved. That means, number one, not all men are saved. Not all men are saved. To preach that all men are saved is universalism. We preach the gospel because not all men are saved. We must preach for men to be saved. So it says God's will is that he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So you can be saved and still be ignorant of the truth. Are you here with me? So you can be saved and be ignorant of the truth. So after salvation, you need to hear the knowledge. You need to have knowledge. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Knowledge. We come to the verse 3 first. Or the verse 2 makes much clearer sense. Look at that. He says grace. Now, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see grace in the New Testament, grace means different things in, in different uh, uh, contexts. Praise God. You know, at first I was saying that, okay, grace is not a doctrine. Grace is a person. Now, that's true, but it is half truth. Grace is first of all a person. It is not just a person. Because the Bible says God gives more grace to the humble. Does it mean God gives more Jesus to the humble? No. So, grace means different things in different contexts. Are you seeing this? Grace also means influence. The word grace is from the Greek charis, which means divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So grace is God's influence in a man's life. So listen, he says grace and peace. This is not the person of Jesus. He says grace and peace be multiplied because Jesus cannot be multiplied. He says grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus. So the more you know about Jesus and God, grace is multiplied in your life. And peace is multiplied. What is grace here in this context? Divine influence. So if you want to increase and multiply in influence, you need to have knowledge of Jesus. 2 Peter 3.18 No, come to the verse 4 first. I think three will, will help. Look at this. Second Peter 1 3. He said, according as his divine power. Now look at this. According as his divine power has given unto us all things. So you must understand that God's divine power has already given to you all things. So 
anything that you ever need is inside of you. It has been made available by the divine power of God. Tell somebody, anything I need today has been made available already in me. Are you here with me? The Bible says, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness according to the knowledge of him that called us by glory and virtue. His divine knowledge, his divine glory, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. So anything that pertains to your new life in Christ, the divine power of Jesus has already made it available. Through the knowledge, so it means it is enjoyed through knowledge of him that has called us to glory. I told you call to glory is not when you die. Call to glory is what? When you are in Christ. To glory and virtue. The next verse, the next four. Whereby are given unto us great and precious promises. The word promises there is not futuristic. I'll buy this for you in two weeks. No. The word promise there means assurance. So he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious assurance that by these ye might be partakers. The word partakers means sharer. It means a partner. He says you might be partakers of divine nature. Divine nature means the God kind of life. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We make this truth available through the gospel. This morning I'm sharing on life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. That's the next intrinsic ingredient. Life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're going to learn a lot today. Life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. 2 Timothy 1.10. I repeat, life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Now, look at that. Let's read from the verse 9 so we get a clear understanding. It says, who has saved us? So the believer is saved. Salvation is the past tense of the believer. And called us with a holy calling. The believer is called. You don't need a calling. You have been called. With an holy calling. So the believer's calling is actually holy. So the believer is not trying to be holy. The believer is holy. You must understand the difference between holiness and holy living. Praise God. Holiness is not the eradication of sin. You must understand this. The Bible says God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Did he keep the Sabbath day from sin? No. In the Old Testament, both utensils were made holy does it mean the bowls animals were even made holy so does it mean the animals were eradicated from sin does it mean the bowls were eradicated from sin no holiness means set apart to be separated to be set apart so anything God sets apart for himself is holy so if God calls you holy it means you have been set apart tell somebody I'm set apart to be set apart means to be made unique. That means out of the many, you are being set apart. This is holiness. According to God's definition. 
It means to be set apart. To be separated. That is holiness. So, when you get born again, you are set apart. That is holiness. You are made holy. By God separating you. Praise God. So, the difference between you and the unbeliever is that you have new life. The unbeliever doesn't. This is the setting apart. You are separated. That is holiness. <laughs> so the more you know how set apart you are, the more it reflects in your life, which we call holy living. So holy living is what happens to you when you know you are holy. Holy living is the effect of holiness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, with a holy calling, not according to our works. So we know we are saved not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now look at the next verse. That's my main theme. He says, but it's now. What is now? God's grace and purpose. It's now made manifest by the appearing. So, Jesus was God's purpose. Jesus was God's grace. He says, but it's now made manifest by the appearing. So, when Jesus appeared, God's original purpose appeared. When Jesus appeared, God's grace appeared. By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at this. Who has abolished death. Now, what does it mean when slave trade is abolished? It means it's no longer in force. It's no longer active. It is no longer recognized. He says, who has abolished death? And had brought, the word brought means to show forth or to display, has displayed life and immortality to light through the gospel. So through the gospel, life and immortality is brought to light. Now, let's get to school. You are in Heaven's University. The word immortality is from the Greek word aphasia. Aphasia. Say aphasia. Aphasia. A P H T H A S I A. Aphasia. Now, it's amazing. The one aftasia means incorruption. Number two, aftasia means perpetuity. It's perpetual, perpetuity. Number three, it means incorruptibility. Number four, it means unending existence. That's immortality. Unending existence. That's immortality. And <laughs> this word it's also from a deep root word called apatos, aftatos. Say aftatos. So it's A P H T A R T O S, aftatos. The word aftatos means not liable to decay. <laughs> not liable to decay. It also means undecaying. That is the meaning of immortality. It also means an undiable life. <laughs> undiable life. Last but not the least, 
It means deathlessness. Deathlessness. You are deathless. That's immortality. Come on, tell somebody I'm deathless. Finally, it means dielessness. I'm dieless. That's immortality. Oh, this is good, man. He has brought life and immortality to life. The word life there is from the Greek word zoe. Z-O-E. Zoe. The word zoe is an amazing word. It means absolute fullness of life. Absolute fullness of life. And this is another shocker. It means an active, real, and genuine life. <laughs> an active, real, and genuine life. That's the meaning of Zoe. An active, real, and genuine life. So what Paul is saying is that, but it's now manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought, what? Real and genuine life. And absolute fullness of life and deathlessness to light. He has brought undecayedness to life. He has brought dielessness to light. He has brought incorruptibility to light. He has brought that which is not liable to decay to light. He has made it manifest through the gospel. That means when a man partakes in the gospel or a man receives the gospel, he receives life and immortality. Now I'm going to explain immortality in a bit. Immortality doesn't mean that this physical body will not die. No. Because whoever you are, this body, it will die. Some years ago, I was teaching that I will not die again. I was teaching that. I came to the conclusion in the word. I saw some scriptures there and I said, Master, you have to drop it. And I'm going to explain why. You know, sometimes you become so exuberant with revelation that you, <laughs> you can almost lose the call. <laughs> we are getting somewhere. <laughs> All right. Now, when you get born again, or when you receive the gospel, this is what happens to you. Immortality becomes resident in your spirit. Now, when I say immortality becomes resident in your spirit, it means that which is not liable to decay becomes real to your spirit. It becomes a part of your spirit. Your spirit man becomes immortal. Praise God. Say, I am immortal. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So when we talk of immortality, we are saying that you are not liable to decay. It means you are incorruptible. So the new man in Christ is immortal. He is incorruptible. Nobody can kill a Christian. Christians don't die. Go and look at the scriptures. Christians sleep. Christians don't die. Look, look through the epistles. Paul never used the word death when a Christian dies. He said he's asleep. 
Because the Christian is immortal. I want to change someone's mentality today. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. This new creation is an immortal creation. He is an immortal creation. That means he is incorruptible. He has perpetuity. It means he's, he has incorruptibility in his spirit. He has an unending existence in him. Praise God. So, the new creation has immortality in his spirit. Come on, declare this. I have immortality in my spirit. Declare, I have immortality in my spirit. Now, this is a confession you must make. I have immortality in my spirit. Now, I didn't say the fact that this body dies means that it will die young. Because I'm getting somewhere. As you keep believing the presence or the existence of immortality in your spirit, something changes about your body. And I'm going to get there. But you see, the first and initial truth is that the believer must come to the understanding that he's immortal. Declared boldly, I'm immortal. Come on, say it with confidence. I'm immortal. Come on, say it. I'm immortal. Say, I'm immortal. I want you to seek in your spirit. I'm immortal. I'm incorruptible. I carry a life of perpetuity. Perpetuity. Wonderful. Now, when you become born again, the Bible says he has brought life and immortality. When you become born again, you receive what we call eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? Wrong. Who is eternal life? Right. Because eternal life is not a thing. Eternal life is a person. It's a he. It's a whom. I'm going to define it. Now look at this. Eternal life cannot be described outside of Christ. Eternal life is the personality and the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of eternal life. He is the description of eternal life. You cannot define eternal life outside of the person of Jesus. Am I talking to somebody today? Now look at this. First of all, let's look at um, John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14, 16. Ah, I feel the glory. Now look at this. John 14, the verse 6, sorry. John 14, 6. <laughs> oh. Alright. I want us to read the verse 5 so you catch this thing. Thomas, our oh, Papa Tom, said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we even know the way? And look at Jesus. He says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Listen, you know, we sing a song, You came from heaven to earth to show the way. Wrong. Jesus did not come from heaven to earth to show the way. Jesus came as the way. So, if Jesus shows you the way, that means it's not him. He's showing you to something else. So Jesus came and says, this is the way, go. He came as the way, so come. So he says, I am the way. 
the truth the word truth means reality it's from the Greek word aletheia which means reality in other words I am the way I am the reality that means anything outside of Christ is fake so if Jesus is the reality anything without Christ is fakeity <laughs> so Jesus is the truth the reality and the life so Jesus said I am life in fact I am the life this is a definite article the life I am the Zoe (laughs) so Jesus is the personality and the embodiment of life I'll shock you in a bit I am the way the truth and the life. And use the next word. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. So now, he says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. So the, light is not, the life is not found anywhere. It is found in Christ. He's the embodiment of life. Come on, say Jesus is the embodiment of life. Are we getting somewhere? Now, the next verse, John chapter 1, the verse 1. I love the word. John 1 1. He said, In the beginning was the word. Now, I told you, the beginning in Genesis is not the same as the beginning in John. When John was speaking, John spoke about eternal things. So, when John was speaking, Genesis was not even present. Now you know when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all spoke about the biography of Jesus. How Jesus lived and you know, his birth, his genealogy, where he started from, from the womb of Abraham, the loins of Abraham. They started from there. And Joseph begat this, and David begat this, and Solomon begat this. When John started, he did not start with the genealogy of Jesus. He started with the existence of Jesus as God. By saying, in the beginning was the word. So the beginning in Genesis was beginning in time. In the beginning God created. That's beginning in time. The beginning in John is the beginning in eternity. So before creation came, what was in existence was the word. In the beginning, Ake, it means chief. First in place. So that which was first was the word. Ake. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Now look at the next verse. He said the same was in the beginning with God. Are you seeing this thing? That is why the word of God is not actually the Bible. The Bible contains the word of God. So we go to the Bible to see the word. Who is Jesus? Because this thing, when this thing was said, the Bible was not yet there. In the beginning was the word. So he said the same was in the beginning with God. The next verse. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Uh Uh-huh. He says in him was life. In him was life. So 
if you are looking for life, where do you go? In him. So life is in him. Life is in Jesus. He's the career of life. He's the personality of life. He is the embodiment of life. I'm getting somewhere. Now, this is the shocker. John, 1 John chapter 1, the verse 1. 1 John 1 1. I love it. <laughs> now, pay attention to this, okay? He said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. He calls Jesus the word of life. He is the word of life. Now, the next verse. When I saw this, I, I spoke in tongues. He says, for the life, he called Jesus the life. The life was manifested and we have seen it. So seeing Jesus is seeing the life. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested unto us he called jesus that eternal life <laughs> that eternal life so another name for jesus is that eternal life <laughs> that eternal life that is him that eternal life. The way you can say, that boy, that boy, that boy. He said, that eternal life. Another name for Jesus is eternal life. <laughs> I'll shock you again. Can I shock you again? John chapter 5, the verse 26. First John. No. Okay, John 5, 26. For... As the father had life in himself, so has he given the son to have life in himself. So, as the father had Zoe in him, that makes him him. He has given that same Zoe to exist in Christ. Are you catching this thing? For as the father had life in himself, so had he given the son to also have life in himself. So Jesus has life in himself. In other words, Jesus can exist without God. He has given this Jesus life in himself. Separated from the father. Life in himself. We are getting somewhere. Now, 1 John chapter 5, the verse 11 and 12. <laughs> are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you sure? And this is the record. The word record means testimony or witness. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. I'll get there soon. And this life is in his... Are you seeing this? This life is in his son. Whosoever has the son had... 
And whosoever does not have the son does not. Are you seeing that this, this thing is a life issue? And this life is in a son. If you have the son, you have life. Now, how many have taken, um, you know, the English, they call it tupaye. How many have taken tupaye before? What's the, what's the English word? Amoxicillin. No, the, amoxicillin is a drug. But it, it, it comes in that, yeah, that capsule. Now, do you see that the outlet of which the amoxicillin exists, there is actually some powder in it. Right? So the real drug is not in the outlet. It's in the what? The powder inside. So, when you take in the amoxicillin, it enters into the system and dissolves in you and the drug becomes a part of you. The Bible is saying that the outer shell is Jesus and the powder is life. So the life is in Jesus. When you receive Jesus, life dissolves in your spirit. And that life becomes eternal life in you. Are you here with me? So that life only exists in the sun. If you receive the sun, you receive life. Now look at this handkerchief. This handkerchief is in the diary. When I throw the diary, where's the handkerchief? If I give it to him, where's the handkerchief? If I give it to him, where's the handkerchief? That means wherever the diary goes, the handkerchief goes. The Bible is telling us that Jesus Christ is the diary. And the handkerchief is what? The life. Where Jesus goes is where life goes. In other words, where Jesus does not go, there is no life. Because life is in him. <laughs> Am I teaching good? Are you sure? Now, 1 John 5, 20. Another killer verse. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I love the word. Now, look at it. <laughs> he said, and we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true. Even his son Jesus, the true God and the eternal life. So Jesus is the true God and eternal life. If you are looking for God today, look at Jesus. Jesus is the true God. Not just the true God, he is eternal life. And I'm opening up the word to you, man. I'm opening it up to you. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. So the question about eternal life is not what, if, what is eternal life. The question of eternal life is who is eternal life. Because eternal life is a who, is a being. It's in a man. Jesus. So the Bible said, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in the Son. Whosoever has the Son hath life. So for you to have life, you must receive Jesus. Now here's the good news. The Bible said, as the Father has life in himself, so has he given the Son to have life in himself. The man that received Jesus has also been given life to have life in himself. What life is that? What life is that? Zoe life. What is Zoe? 
real genuine life. What is the way? It also means what? Absolute fullness of life. That's why Jesus Christ said, The thief cometh not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And have it what? The word abundantly means have it to the full. So eternal life means absolute what? Fullness of life. So Jesus came to give us absolute fullness of life. That means without Christ, a man's life is incomplete. With Christ, you have absolute fullness. That means there is nothing that lacks about you. Fullness means maximum load or maximum content. So Jesus, I thank you for fullness of life. I thank you for real and genuine life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, you see, the reason why we are taking our time to teach eternal life is because there are different kinds of life. There are about five different kinds of life. Number one, we have plant life. Number two, we have animal life. Number three, we have human life. Number four, we have angelic or demonic life. And number five, we have eternal life, which is the God life. So five, plant life, animal life, human life, angelic or demonic life, and the God life, which is eternal life. Now, I love it. The word eternal life is from the Greek word, Ayanos Zoe. The first one I described was Zoe, just life. But the Bible says, for this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. So eternal life is from the Greek word Ayanos. Ayanos means eternal. Eternal life. Now, you see, there is a slight difference. Sometimes when the Bible uses everlasting life, it diminishes it a little. Because there's a slight difference between everlasting life and eternal life. Now, everlasting life means it is everlasting. It means it has a beginning but has no end. That is everlasting. But the one ironos is eternal. Eternal means it has no beginning, it has no end. So, to have eternal life means to have absolute fullness of life which has no beginning and has no end. To have eternal life means to have real and genuine life which has no beginning and has no end. Now this is the life of God because God's life has no beginning and God's life has no end. And in Christ, Jesus has shared the life of God with the man in Christ. You see, it's so sad that people chase for money and live truths like this. Because they think having money is the only thing. You can still have money and not be satisfied. And for your information, there are some who have worked for 20 years to gather money. And after they are 50, they spend that same money in the most expensive hospital. So sad. This teaching is very rare. 
So you don't take it for granted. I'm telling you. This is real truth. To have eternal life is to have a life that has no beginning and end. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3. The believer does not have a life. For ye are dead. I'm telling you, you are dead. And your life. Oh, how can he say your life? When he says you are dead. Now think about it. He says, you see sometimes you can understand the Bible. Things become mysterious. He says for you are dead and your life. Now he says how can you call your life when you are dead? So Paul is going to tell us this life. He says for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Next verse. He's going to tell us the word your life there. One Christ who is our life. He says, for you are dead and your life is hid. So it looks like, ah, how can you be dead and have life? So Paul went further to describe that if you don't have an idea of your life, this new life is his life. When Christ, who is our life, Christ is our life. So the believer has no life. His life is the life of God. So today, if you are saying my life, it means you have only personalized the life that belongs to him. So Paul use your life because the moment you receive eternal life, it becomes your personal property. Just like when Paul received the gospel, he called it my gospel. He personalized it. Come on, tell somebody my life. life. It's his life. Because I'm dead. dead. It says for you are dead though. Now you must understand this. You are dead. Do you know what it means you are dead? You are dead means things don't, you don't respond to things anymore. So when sin pinches a dead man, does the dead man do, does, does your body do that? Are you sure? When sickness hits a dead man, does he respond? Why? Because he's dead. Dead men don't respond. That is how come sin has no power over you. Because sin has no instrument to use anymore because you don't respond. A new life has come. It's called, there's a way, Christ alive. Christ alive. Now you see, this should be your confession. Christ my life. This confession is not made when you come to church. You know, sometimes some of you have separated your Christian life with any other life. Yes, you have limited it to Sunday life. So when you go to work, you're an ordinary person. You leave anything. You say anything. But when you come to church, how are you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope everything is fine. Christ has perfected you. But in the office, you don't behave that way. When was the last time in the office one of your workers or colleagues complained of headache and you remembered that pastor said, Christ is my life. Not just life, but you see, you become a life giver because the life of Jesus is a quickening spirit. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45. I'm going to show you something amazing there. 
These truths are not jokes. So, 1 Corinthians 15. The verse 45. Now look at this. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Living soul means he lived. That means his life was dependent on his soul. That's soulish life. He says, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Another version says, a life-giving spirit. So the man in Christ is not just living. He's a quickening spirit. He has the ability to transfer life. He's a life giver. Tell somebody I'm a life giver. I can transfer life. I can transfer glory. I can transfer power. I'm a life giver. A life giver. A life giver. A life giver. You know what a life giver means? It means nothing can remain dead around you. When there's something dead, you give life to it. You give life. You give life. So nobody gets sick around you. But until this truth becomes real in your life, it cannot affect the lives of others. I'm a life giver. In the name of Jesus, sickness cannot dominate my life because I have eternal life. Listen. I told you we have plant life, animal life, human life, angelic and demonic life, and the God life. Listen, in the food chain, animals dominate on plants. Humans dominate on plants and animals. Angels and demons dominate over humans, plants, and animals. And the God life dominates on angels, demons, plants, and animals. So that is the food chain. It's a food chain. The believer is no longer a human. The believer is both human and divine. So the believer carries the divine life and the God life. In other words, nothing can dominate him. He is the highest in the food chain. Come on, say it. I am the highest in the food chain. Come on, say it with confidence. I'm the highest in the food chain. Ancestral curses cannot dominate my life because I'm in the highest in the food chain. Curses cannot operate in my realm. Come on, say it. Curses cannot operate in my realm. Poverty cannot operate in my realm. I'm in charge because I'm in the place and position of God through Christ. Do you know what it means to be seated with Christ? First of all, to be seated with Christ means you were raised far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come. In other words, demons are not your classmates. If you are seated with Christ, that means Jesus is your sitting mate. In other words... What cannot happen to Jesus cannot happen to you. If something that can happen to Jesus happens to you, it means it was your choice. It was your choice. Because you are seated with Christ. Haven't you read Colossians? He says, when Christ, who is your life? God was delighted in sharing his life with you, man. So we have plants, animals, angels and demons, humans, and we have God. So in the God realm, nothing is higher than it. 
And the man in Christ is no longer human. Psalm 82, the verse 6. He says, little children, I have said that ye are gods. Listen, when you understand truth about eternal life, you will not be going for rededication. When you understand truth about eternal life, you will not be going for curse breaking. You are in a line, a queue. What is the queue about? They are breaking curses row by row. Can you imagine? Can God be under a curse? If God cannot be under a curse and the believer is functioning with eternal life, eternal life is uncursable. This is a reality. Until you believe this, you will be suffering for nothing. Listen, we are teaching this because we don't want to take your money for deliverance session. No wonder because believers don't know this truth, they come to a man of God and he declares, in the name of Jesus, you are going back and coming with a testimony. He says, rise up and go. He says, ah, is that all? Is that all? What do you want again? You want me to bust oil, bust kerosene, and put things on you. That's when you realize that you are satisfied. You are missing the whole point. When eternal life is around, everything matters nothing. Nothing else matters when eternal life is around. Listen, when we are teaching, we are imparting. I'm telling you, we are imparting. So how you receive it determines how you live it. Eternal life is around. Fullness of life is around. Real and genuine quality of life is around. The God kind of life is around. I have said that ye are God and all of you are the children of the Most High. In other words, a child of God is God. The child of a rabbit is a rabbit. The child of a goat is a goat. The child of God is God. If you have a problem, it's your own problem. But I choose to live like my father. As he is, so am I. Someone says some young guys are saying some things about themselves. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. They are saying that they are God. Do you know what it means to be God? You, you have cracks and marks on your body. Can, can God have marks? You are missing the whole thing. <laughs> in fact, this is a wonder that a mortal man can receive immortality in the spirit. That is the wonder. <laughs> I have said, in other words, God has been repeated. I have said that ye, ye, ye are God. Look at the next verse. The verse seven. <laughs> All of you are children of the most high. He says, but ye shall die like men. That means the believer is not a man. He says, you people have said that you are gods. But listen, because of ignorance, you will die like men. <laughs> you will die like men. And fall like one of the princes. Look at, look, look at the next verse. He said, arise. Oh, no, come to the verse 5, rather. The verse 5. He says, they know not. Neither would they understand. They walk in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. In other words, if you know not and understand not, you will walk in darkness. And when you walk in darkness, the foundation of your life will be scattered. They know not and they understand not. So knowledge and understanding matters. So when we are teaching, we are imparting knowledge and understanding. So when you come to know this and understand this, the foundations of your life will be in course. Not out of course. So when you see a man whose life is out of course, it means he lacks knowledge and understanding. 1 Corinthians 15, back to the verse 46. 
Now look at this. He says, How be it that which that was not first, which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual? Next verse. The first man, Adam, is of the earth. His origin is from the earth, sand and dust. He is from the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So two origins. One is from the dust. One is from above. Next verse. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. So there are two groups of men. Them that are in Adam and them that are in Christ. Them that are in Adam have their origin from the earth, dust. But them that are in Christ have their origin from heaven. So the man in Christ is born from above. He lives from above. He has the heavenly life. I told you when you buy a product and you look under it, they write made in China. So you see the origin. When you pick the believer and look at him, you will see made in heaven. Because that is his source. Come on, tell somebody I'm made in heaven. I'm made in heaven. I'm made in heaven. Now, when you're wearing an original clothes made from US and you're walking, how do you feel? But anytime you're wearing synthetic, you are hiding your shoe. Because you don't want people to see your leg. If you're wearing Abibas, you don't want people to see. If you're wearing Nike, Nike, but you see Nike. If you're wearing Nike, you don't want people to see. So when they're checking and you're doing your leg like this, because you don't want them to see synthetic. But if you're wearing original, you are confident. And you are made in heaven. I'm made in heaven. So look at this. I'm a made in heaven product. He says, as is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. Now look at the next verse. Another shocker. Look at this. I want us to read it together. One, two, go. As we have borne the image of the earthy, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly. The word image is from Greek, acorn. Which means what? Form. Figure. Resemblance. Similitude. As we have borne the similitude and the resemblance of the earthy, so do we bear the similitude and resemblance of the heavenly. So the believer is heavenly. So you must think heavenly. You must think what? Heavenly. Because you are not earthly. Can you imagine? Now let me drop this bomb. Now, after Adam sinned and sin entered into his body, the leftover life of Adam sustained him for 930 years. <laughs> after sin entered man, the leftover life left in him sustained him for 930 years. And you, sin has been taken from your spirit and replaced with eternal life. And you choose to die at 50. Wara or wara. Wara. Leftover life kept a man for 930 years. James 
Listen, I'm making my job easier. When I'm teaching you like this, you think I'm teaching you for myself? I'm making my job easy. Because if you know truth like that, you know wake me up at 2 a.m. Pastor, I can't breathe. Pastor, I had a dream. A witch was chasing me. I said, wow, look. Do you come for teaching service? Pastor, no. They allow the witch to stab you. You'll be fine. <laughs> now, look at this. Now, listen, this is I'm sharing. I didn't say that. Before. before I was born, they were waiting for me. He said, of his own will, that means God decided to choose that. He begat us by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. Of his own will, God chose to begat us by the word of truth that we should become a kind. The word kind means a species of first fruit. The word first fruit is from the Greek word which means first and the best. So, God decided that he will begat us by the word of truth that we will become the first and the best amongst all his creatures. In other words, when you put a lion here, you put a mouse, a tiger, an antelope, a deer, a snake here, and you put a man, and you put the man in Christ here. The Bible says the man in Christ is the first and the best of all of God's creatures. He's the first and the best. I told you that time that they are herbivores, they are carnivores, and they are omnivores. Herbivores feed on herbs. Carnivores feed on flesh. Omnivores feed on flesh and herbs. But science could not discover the last one. They are called Godivores. Godivores feed on the flesh and the blood of Jesus. We feed on his life. They are cold-blooded animals, warm-blooded animals, and God-blooded beings. Thank you, Jesus. A man carrying eternal life is telling me that the doctor said I'm sickle cell. How can you carry the DNA of God and remain a sickle cell? So what is the effect of this life in you? You see, let me tell you this. This life in your spirit must be outlived in your body. God's plan is to make you outlive this life for it to manifest in your body. The Christian is not a sickle cell patient. He's a Christ cell victor. He's not a sickler. He's a Chrysler. He's not O positive, A positive. He's C positive. Christ positive. That is who the Christian is. They said my blood group is not good. I'm allergic to beans and oil. I'm allergic to meat pie. I was teaching this one day and there was one guy who was allergic to beans. After he heard me teach this, he said he's going to eat beans. Anytime he finished eating beans, there are rashes on his body. For the first time after hearing the message, he heard beans. From that day, his parents were scared. He says, no! Because we went through hell when he ate it. He says, no, I've heard some truth. He finished eating it to today. He's eating beans. Now beans is his favorite food after hearing the teaching. So there is power in teaching. When we teach, we release. We release life. When you believe it and receive it, you become it. I am declaring it. 
declare it to you tonight and today i declare that what kills men will not kill you if you mistakenly drink poison nothing will happen to you killed many you because you are present you are escaping in the name of jesus tell somebody i cannot be a victim it's impossible for me to die out of accident the camp begins to shake everybody starts shouting jesus jesus i remember pastor said we carry divine life. That means when I'm around, God is around. And you tell them, shut up! One Jesus is enough. I'm around. I'm around. He says that at the name. Now, I was, my God, I was surprised when the Lord was showing me in Philippians chapter 2. He didn't say at the mention of the name. Go and read he says at the name Jesus at the name Jesus he didn't say at the mention now when you mention the name of Jesus something supernatural happened but the scripture didn't say at the mention of the name he says at the name Jesus every knee bows the word name in Greek is onomos which means authority character and ranking in other words at the authority and ranking and character of Jesus that means anybody that recognizes his authority and his ranking in Christ every knee must bow every tongue shall confess that he is Lord so God proves that he is Lord through you demonstrating the authority ranking and character of Jesus so if you are in the car and you are conscious of your position every knee will bow to you so, man of God, what if the car still have an accident? Of course, it can still have an accident. But when men are cleaning blood, you are cleaning dust. Ah. <laughs> when men are busily cleaning blood, you are doing this. You get time for the car. It's a please help them, okay? Please help them. And I say, ah, are you not part of the accident? No, I came from a different world. <laughs> I feel heavy. What a glory. Okay, I have five minutes. Can I continue this thing? Lift up your hands. Say, I carry the DNA of God. I have immortality in my spirit. In the name of Jesus. Now let me share this with you finally before I close. You may be seated. Now I, I, I told you about something I was going to share before we done. I think it's very critical. Now the question is that the Bible says God has brought immortality to light through the gospel. Does it mean that somebody can say that he will not die again? Now I've seen people arguing you know, I also once argued, I said that I will not die again. Someone says, no, man of God, it's not like that. I said, no, it, everybody has his own truth. So please, let me, let me believe my truth. But listen, I've studied the scriptures. I'm telling you. Everybody could die. There was a man of God I know. 
I'll mention the country, I'll mention the church, I'll mention his name. He said he will never die. Taught about immortality. Ten different volumes. He died of cancer. When he died, he rose again. And he died. And he rose again. And he told his church members that God wants him to die. Can you imagine? He was busily teaching immortality. I'm not talking about immortality at all, but immortality in the body when a man does not die again. He said he will never die till Jesus comes. Listen, Master, the, the man who gave revelation about immortality was Paul. He himself, he died. He himself, he died. Tell somebody, he himself, he died. I'm telling you. Tell somebody you go die. But it not be now. Oh, I'm telling you. You know why? You know why? <laughs> Let me explain. Listen. Jesus had to die a physical death before he could receive his resurrected body. Why? Because when he died physical death, his body was a seed. He was sown the natural. He was raised supernatural. That's what Paul taught. So this body needs to go through death so it can have its renewed body. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. You're going to see some things there. 26. When I'm done, I'm going to teach you something. Now, look. He says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is... The last enemy. That means this man has not been destroyed. Now, first of all, we read in 2 Timothy 1.10 that death has been abolished. Now, the Bible is telling us though it has been abolished, he has not been entirely destroyed. So what death has been abolished? Now, there are four kinds of death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death, and final death. Are you here with me? When you believe in Jesus, you are free from final death. Free from spiritual death. Free from um, eternal death, but not free from physical death. You know why? Because physical death is your entry gate. It's your entry fee. So this last enemy there is talking about physical death. It is the last enemy. Because when Jesus appeared, death itself will be destroyed. Death, physical death will be destroyed. Nobody will die. Because we will all be carrying the heavenly glory. Now remember, when Jesus died and he rose, he came with the same body that died. But this time, that body was glorified. So now this body could pass through walls. It had no limitation. If you also want to have that body, you must die. So now, God has made death the benefit of the believer for a glorified life. That is why he's the last enemy. After his purpose is saved, he'll be completely destroyed. But that doesn't mean you should die young. Are you catching this thing? I'm sharing some, some wicked truths with you, man. <laughs> Alright, come to the verse 35. I'm going to explain further. So that those of you who are not sure about this, you'll be sure. Now look at this. <laughs> but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Look at Paul's answer. Oh, fool. <laughs> Thou fool. That which soweth is not quickened except it die. 
Next verse. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bear grain that it may chance of wheat or some other grain. It's going to make clearer. Next verse. But God give it a body as he pleases him. And to every seed his own body. Uh-huh. The next verse. He says, all flesh is not the same flesh. But they are one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. Uh-huh. There are also celestial bodies. He's describing different glories. This one is earthly. This one is celestial. He says, and the bodies are terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is another. Uh-huh. There is one glory of the sun and the glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star different from glory from another star in glory. Uh-huh. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is shown in corruption. So when this body dies and enters the grave, it becomes a seed that is shown. And the Bible says it is so incorruptible, but it is raised incorruptible. That means at the resurrection, God gives that body a new body. Now, let me explain this. Now, you plant a seed, like say corn, and you cover it, right? What happens? The seed what? Rots. But when it rots, it germinates and gets more what? Now, that seed you buried, now you just buried a single seed, right? But when it grew, it came with its own body. It came with its own body. God is saying when the believer dies, in the resurrection, he will come with his own body, a glorified body. A glorified body. Now look, it is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. Next verse. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but raised in power. Next verse. It is sown a natural body. So this body will die as a seed. But it is raised a spiritual body. That body is not flesh and blood. It is flesh and bones. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. You need the natural body to be sown before the spiritual body comes. That's for another topic. But now, man of God, if your saying will die, that doesn't mean will die like your saying will die. <laughs> because some are uncomfortable when they hear about death. Let me explain. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 1. Uh, give me five minutes and I'll be done. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, now this earthly house is talking about our body. Our body is a tabernacle, it's a tent. Are you here with me? We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, remember the tabernacle was temporary. The temple was permanent. The tabernacle was temporary. It was movable. This body is also temporary. It's a tent. Now, do you fix tent and you stay in tent? When you're having a party, do you fix tent and stay in it? It's temporary. When you're done, you fold it and you don't use it again. The Bible says this body is a tent. That means it's temporary. He says, but we know. This, you must know it. So you must not be afraid of death. You must know it. 
He said, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building. So it dies as a tabernacle, it is raised as a building. So it says, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Next. For in this, this current temporal body, we groan. Listen to this. Desiring to be clothed with our house which is from heaven. Sometimes we desire to have this eternal body that does not die. He says we groan in it because we are uncomfortable. We have malaria. We have flu. So it's uncomfortable. We wish we were partaking in that glory now. But look at what Paul said. If so that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Uh-huh. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we will be unclothed, but that we will be clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Next verse. I'll explain. Now, he who has wrought us for this self-same thing is God, who has given us the earnest of the spirit. Now, Paul is saying that we that are living in this earthly body now, we are not groaning so that we will have the eternal body. But we are groaning so that we will we'll be further clothed. In other words, we will have a foretaste of this spirit body before Jesus comes. Now, Paul is giving us assurance that now he who has wrought us for this same thing is God who has given us the earnest of the spirit. The word earnest means deposit. It means advance payment. It means foretaste. So now, though we have not yet come to the realm where this body will not die, we will just, we can enjoy a foretaste before Jesus comes. So what is the foretaste? This body will not be immortal now. But we can live a glimpse of the immortal life before Jesus comes. In other words, we can live a life free from sickness before he comes. That's a foretaste. We can enjoy long life. Living above 100 is a foretaste. So Paul says the spirit of God in us is a down payment. When Jesus comes, we'll have full payment. The spirit of God in us is a foretaste. When Jesus appears, we'll enjoy the full taste. The spirit of God in us is a down payment. It's an advance. When Jesus comes, everything will be swallowed. So now what do you do now with this life? You must allow the life in you to work through your body. How? Number one, by speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, you are transferring life from your body, from your spirit into your body. Some of these truths are hard, I understand. But you'll catch it. When you speak in tongues, you are transferring life from your spirit to your body. You are giving your, your, your body the chance to have a foretaste of divine glory. That's how come someone like Kenneth Hagan, he was not sick for 32 years. He was not sick for 32 years. It's not because he drank a lot of water or ate a lot of fruits. But because he knew certain truths that many of you don't know. It doesn't mean you shouldn't drink water. Doesn't mean you should be eating banku 12 o'clock a.m. and pepe. No. But what I'm saying is that you can enjoy life divine right here on earth. Psalm 91, the last verse says that he will satisfy you with long life. So the believer can enjoy long life. 
Lift your hands. Say, I've got long life. I enjoy long life. I won't die now. I'll enjoy a foretaste of glory divine. Last verse. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. I was surprised though that Paul himself. Look at, Paul was giving himself a choice. Paul was confused whether to die or to live. Can you imagine? Paul was confused. Now look, he says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. So death is profit. <laughs> to die is gain. Uh-huh. Look at the next verse. He says, according to my next expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness and always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or it be death. So Paul was not afraid of death. Next verse. Okay, look at this. He says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, what I shall choose, I would not. Verse 23. For I am straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Uh-huh. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. I want another version. He says, for I'm torn between two opinions, whether to die or to live. When I die, I go to be with the Lord. When I live, it's because of you. So Paul says he was confused. He didn't know whether to choose to die or not. Can you imagine that he can delay death? Do you know that Paul knew he was going to die? Listen, the best way of enjoying death is to know when you are going to die. Someone didn't get what I'm saying. Death that takes you by surprise was not the original. The person goes home, he doesn't come back again. Hey! As you come one You see, that is that is not the kind of death I'm talking about. You call your children and say, you know something? Next week Saturday, I'm going to die. <laughs> so I want you to take care of the house, okay? Because the Lord showed it to me. So please take off yourself. I bless my children and I go. So Saturday morning, I lie on the bed like this. And waiting for death to lead me to heaven. I think that's death with Anna. Paul said he was confused whether to die or to live. When was the last time you were confused? You are so afraid of death that you cannot command death. Turn between two opinions. In Acts chapter 28, the verse 5 to 6, Paul went to a certain place and he gathered sticks. Come to the verse uh, 3. Listen, the Bible says Paul went to a certain place, was gathering sticks because the place was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper. Now, this one was not a snake, viper is a venomous serpent. And I'm telling you, no serpent will feast on your hand and lick your hand. He says, a viper out of the heat and fasting on his hand. Look at this. But when the barbarians saw the venomous, that means this is poisonous. Beast, he called it a beast. Hang on his hand, they sent among themselves. No doubt, this man is a murderer. Whom though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not him to live. 
and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. That means the serpent beat him. The Bible says he felt no harm. Look at the next verse. How be it they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. <laughs> May people change their minds about you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare that the supernatural will be so real in your life that people will see and say, ah, this can only be God. I declare, may the God in you come out. I declare that this week, testimonies upon testimonies shall fill your butt. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you will see no lack. You have supernatural provisions. You have supernatural escapes. In the name of the Lord Jesus, everything about you is going to be supernatural and people cannot understand you. The only conclusion they can draw is that you are a God. I've closed. Lift your hands and give him glory. We can sing a song. But we're going to sing it in a new creation way. Miracle worker. Miracle worker. You have done a miracle, a miracle in me. You have done a miracle, a miracle in me. Are you here? Miracle worker. You are a miracle.